we're going to be making a lot of phone calls. <laughs> if you work for me, we're going to be making phone calls. It's still going to be fun, but we have a job to do. We have to get our message out. This is MCV Cast. I'm Aaron Murphy, Executive Director of Montana Conservation Voters. And that was Eddie Upshaw, MCV's new Canvas Director. He's our guest today to chat about how MCV plans to engage Montanans over the next few months virtually, despite a global pandemic. I'm here with Deputy Director Whitney Taney from Bozeman and Political Director Jake Brown from Helena. We'll hear more from Eddie Upshaw in a moment, but we want to start today with a major bill that is now officially law of the land. Is it a big one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a big bill. I want to have that signature. Thank you, guys. That was President Donald Trump signing the Great American Outdoors Act into law at the White House Tuesday morning. He was surrounded only by GOP lawmakers, even though the legislation passed both houses of Congress with overwhelming bipartisan support. As we have mentioned on this show, the Great American Outdoors Act is one of the most significant conservation victories in decades. It fully funds the Land and Water Conservation Fund at $900 million per year in perpetuity. And it addresses the maintenance backlog plaguing the National Park Service. It was sponsored by both Senators Steve Daines and John Tester. This is something that has been decades in process. uh, Something that's going to ensure the outdoor legacy for our kids and our grandkids. And make sure that we have good hunting and good fishing and great access to the outdoors for hiking and running around where cell phones don't work. It is truly a great day. That was Senator John Tester, who has pushed for full and permanent funding of the Land and Water Conservation Fund since taking office. LWCF first became law more than a half a century ago, and Montana has seen more than $600 million during the life of the fund, funding everything from fishing access sites to trails to conservation easements. Now, with the certainty of reliable, full, and dedicated funding for every year, Montana stands to benefit a lot from the Land and Water Conservation Fund. And that is truly a win for conservation, as Senator Daines noted during the signing ceremony. Perhaps it's only fitting it took public lands to bring a divided government together. Mr. President, Montana thanks you. Senator Daines is most definitely onto something there. We at Montana Conservation Voters have long believed that public lands, clean air, clean water, and healthy communities are values that transcend partisan politics. That's why, as we celebrate one victory, we're also turning up the heat on Senator Daines for supporting one of the most dangerous threats to our public lands. Whitney Tani, MCV, is taking to the airwaves. That's right. If you're seeing an ad with iconic Montana landscapes with for sale signs, that's our new campaign to stop William Perry Penley's nomination. Montana for sale? Donald Trump wants to put an anti-public land zealot in control of Montana's outdoors. His name, William Perry Penley, and Senator Daines refuses to stand up to him. They want your public lands in the hands of -of out-of-state billionaires. Penley even wants to take away our stream access. Tell Steve Daines our public lands are not for sale. Stop Penley. In just 30 seconds, we hope to convey to Montanans the very real threat of William Perry Penley heading up the Bureau of Land Management. He's an advocate for selling off our public lands, an opponent to Montana's stream access law, a climate change denier, ridden with conflicts of interest, and in his words, Penley has proudly stated, Uh, President Trump is committed to developing uh, all the lands. He understands uh, the multiple use concept. He truly gets it. 
To learn more about our issue campaign, please visit stoppenley.org and take action by signing onto our petition to ask Senator Daines to stop Penley's nomination. As BLM Acting Director William Perry Penley recently approved several backcountry conservation areas, which have been criticized by the state of Montana and conservation groups. The approval of these areas comes with objections from Governor Steve Bullock for failing to address the state's concerns over the area's actual wilderness and wildlife protections. Bullock has also sued the BLM in Penley, alleging that making decisions like these are illegal unless Penley has been approved by the United States Senate. The state has concerns over the lack of actual protections in the plans for these two areas, one by Missoula and the other by Lewistown. The state claims that the Missoula area wasn't adequate to protect wilderness and that the Lewistown area failed to properly manage important wildlife habitat. Seems to me that Penley wants to get credit for protecting wilderness without, well, without actually protecting wilderness. We will, of course, keep you posted about what Penley is up to and what happens with Bullock's lawsuit. This week, Senator Daines introduced a bipartisan forest management bill in response to our many devastating wildfire seasons. The bill would require the Forest Service to conduct logging and prescribe burns, but unfortunately, most of the work is targeted in backcountry locations that really won't have an effect or benefit to at-risk communities. So we're very suspicious that this bill has been written for the wood product industry, especially after learning that those supporting the bill are the Montana Wood Products Association, Northwestern Energy, and the Montana Logging Association. Meanwhile, the Montana Water Rights Protection Act, a bipartisan bill in Congress that ratifies the long-awaited Confederated Salish and Kootenai Water Compact, has passed a key hurdle in the U.S. Senate. The legislation also contains language that finally turns over management of the National Bison Range to the tribes after decades of being managed by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. The Senate Indian Affairs Committee passed the Montana Water Rights Protection Act on July 29th. Both Senators John Tester and Steve Daines, who sponsored the bill, serve on the committee. Now the bill is due to go before the full Senate. Governor Steve Bullock announced this week that he would allow counties to allow for an all-male general election in November. This new directive is the same as the one his office made allowing the primary election to be an all-male election back in June. It only makes sense that we start preparing now to ensure that no Montanan will have to choose between their vote or their health. They didn't have to in June and they shouldn't have to in November. The directive permits counties at their local discretion to expand access to voting by mail and early voting. What this means for voters is that every active voter should receive an absentee ballot if their county opts in. It's important to note that in-person voting will still be available. If you want to vote at the polls, you can still do that. Yellowstone Public Radio reports that two employees working on building the controversial Keystone XL pipeline in northeastern Montana have tested positive for COVID-19. We've covered the construction at length here on MCVCast and the fact that TC Energy, formerly TransCanada, is proceeding with construction in Montana despite the threat of the pandemic and despite concerns from the Assiniboine and Sioux tribes on the nearby Fort Peck Reservation. Yellowstone Public Radio reports that TC Energy has shut down the construction site in Phillips County. Those who tested positive will not return to the particular work site, which is due to be completed in the coming days. As the COVID-19 pandemic changes the way we vote, it's also changing the way MCV has communicated with Montanans since our founding two decades ago. Usually, we send teams of canvassers across the state to knock on doors and to have conversations with folks. 
This year, not so much. So over the next few months, we plan to get out the word about the dangers of selling off our public lands virtually. How will that work? This week's guest gives us a peek inside our operation. Our guest today is one of our own. Eddie Upshaw is Montana Conservation Voters' new Canvas Director. That means he's responsible for overseeing our team of organizers and volunteers as we continue our traditional work of educating Montanans about issues affecting conservation. That work is already underway as we make sure Montanans are aware of the dangers of selling off federal public lands and even transferring their management to states like Montana. And as we get closer to Election Day, that work will transition to ensuring voters have the information and resources they need. Earlier this year, Eddie worked for the campaign of former presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg, where he served as regional organizer. His work changed this spring as the COVID-19 pandemic started sweeping across the country, which means Eddie already has experience in virtual organizing. Eddie was also an organizer for President Barack Obama's first campaign for president. He is also a U.S. Army veteran. Eddie, welcome aboard and welcome to MCVCast. Hi, Aaron. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's good to have you on board. We'd love to hear more about your experience in organizing. So what what drew you to this line of work and why is it important to you? Uh, I guess I could start by saying I was a huge fan of Obama's. I, uh, when I was, I guess, a kid, like when he gave, gave the dedication to John Kerry at the DNC and that sort of like put like stars in my eyes when I saw that, I was actually thoroughly motivated. I never before had ever thought about politics. And so I sort of like read his book and saw that he started out as a community organizer. And as like as an inspiration to me, I thought to myself, that seems like something I could do. And so when he ran for president, I said, okay, I want to work for this guy. And I was inspired and I want to do the same things he did. And so I decided to be an organizer at the time. Yeah, that's great. So where do you see yourself then going from from here after um, uh, after this particular project? Do you plan to continue organizing? Of course. Like, I mean, I see it feels like it's a it's turned into sort of like a passion for me. Like I I sort of like, I guess, grassroots organizing. I sort of think that's like I'm, I'm a small D Democratic type guy. I think that like small D dem- democracy is the best way for us to actually participate in our community. I, I believe in like systems and propping up systems in place and getting people to participate and having as many people to participate as possible is the best way to actually have a true representative democracy. So I don't have enough ego to be a politician. <laughs> so <laughs> so the thing so the thing that I can do to help the most amount of people I think is to work in something as small as organizing. So you were working as an organizer uh, when the COVID nineteen pandemic changed the world this spring. How did you respond to that? When when uh, everything hit, I was actually, it hit at like the exact same time. So my whole world changed. I ended up working for something called Organizer 2020 and like a virtual organizing campaign. But it was it didn't start out as a virtual organizing campaign. It was supposed to be like a traditional campaign where you knocked on doors and you did all that and you had rallies and so and so and so and so. Well, COVID changed all that. So when we walked into the door thinking that we had this whole plan about how we we're going to organize, it all changed. Everything that we thought we were going to do was gone. We didn't have any more freedom. So I ended up being stuck in Pennsylvania and that sort of put me in a place to where I'm uh, virtually organizing in Pennsylvania. And that's what I ended up doing is that we had to, you had to work with the tools that you have at the time. And 
actually, we actually had to invent new tools and new methods of how to reach people and be a little bit more innovative in how we organize. So it's all like a, a brave new world. So can you speak a little bit more to those tools? What what did that mean for you, practically speaking? I mean, we learned Zoom. Zoom is your friend. Uh, <laughs> like before, I mean, in traditionally organizing, uh, door knocking is, is the way to go. That's you, you have uh, weekends of action. You have plans and plans and plans. And you have all these metrics that you have hit based on how many people you talk to, how many doors you knock. How many rallies, how many people attended your rallies, how many people you were able to do? Well, we can no longer do those things. So then it became more about how do you uh, reach the most amount of people with the least amount of actual physical contact? So we had to learn how to set up uh, virtual meetings and virtual virtual rallies and how to contact people and how to do more relational organizing where in a, a relational sense, you had people who had our volunteers creating other volunteers themselves and creating volunteer networks where they they contacted people and then those people contacted people and you had to actively actively engage in your volunteers and create systems in place to where they could also help you in organizing. So that's what we had to learn how to do a lot more efficiently when before we could just go out and not say today we're knocking a hundred doors or this weekend we're gonna knock a thousand doors or whatever and we couldn't do that anymore. So it's, like I said, it's a whole different way we had to learn how to do that and how to learn how to change every metric and idea that we thought that we had at the time. It's all different now. How do you see that experience translating to the work you're leading here in Montana? Any, anything different uh, to consider as we head into the fall? I, no, I think it's, I think, I think for the, for the foreseeable future, unless something, unless something drastically changes, I think we're all going to be, in that position where we can't do, we can't realistically knock on doors without taking COVID seriously. So I think that it, it, it helps. I mean, we still have to reach the same amount of people that we had before. It just means that we have to work a lot harder. When I think about Montana, Montana is a little bit different. Like Montana just doesn't have a population density that like most cities on the, say the East Coast or the South has. So it was always going to be a more of a challenge to reach people. I don't think it changes a lot in Montana because you're going to actually have to do those kind of like creative organizing techniques that you have to do just because the population isn't dense enough in certain areas that you have to become really, really creative in, in how you approach people. So I, I don't, yeah, I, I guess I don't foresee Montana as, as challenging per se, in a traditional sense, as like a New York City where you could just walk outside and talk to a thousand people. You couldn't, you never could do that in Montana anyway. So you always had to use more creative skills and techniques into how you approach people. So let's talk specifically about some of the work MCV is, is planning in the weeks ahead, just in terms of message. Um, specifically, it's an education campaign about the transfer of management of federal public land. What is the end game? What's the biggest takeaway Montanans should be aware of? Well, I like to think of this uh, in, in socioeconomic terms. A lot of people think that, like, especially something like my, a place like Montana, a lot of people have this idea about public-private land, but they, uh, without actually thinking about the implications of it. So I, I guess I think of it as, like, Montana's are fiercely independent and appreciate the ability to hunt and fish on public lands. And if you remove the public aspect of it and allow, say, private corporations or wealthy individuals, they would capitalize on the land. They would use the land for whatever. And the Montanans would lose the freedoms that they previously enjoyed. Like they would lose the ability to hunt and the ability to fish on these public lands. And they would 
uh, also just uh, destroyed like their pristine wilderness and allowed things like the Keystone Pipeline to go forward and things like that. And they would lose like public assets. And it, it's just, it, to me, it's more like a wealth grab than uh, say helping out individual Montanans. And that, and that to me is, is a shame. What else should folks know as MCV prepares under your leadership to dive into this world of virtual organizing, Eddie? We're going to be making a lot of phone calls. (laughs) If you work for me, you know we're going to be making phone calls. You're going to spend your day on the phone. You're going to spend your day on the phone. It's still going to be fun, but we have a job to do. We have to get our message out. And that relies on a ton of work on our side to get as many phone calls and as many text messages and emails out that we can to reach the most amount of people we can in a short amount of time. So we're going to work, work really hard. We're also going to have fun. So we're fighting the right battle. We're on the right side of this. So it's going to be fun and we're going to achieve our goals. Love to hear it. Eddie Upshaw, he's the new Canvas Director for Montana Conservation Voters and the MCV Education Fund. Eddie, thanks for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. At the top of the show, we played an issue ad sponsored by Montana Conservation Voters as part of our effort to educate Montanans about Senator Daines and William Perry Pendley. MCV's Political Action Committee, the MCV Action Fund, is also on the air across the state with a TV ad. Jake Brown, what is the takeaway? The takeaway is that Greg Gianforte cannot be trusted to manage our public lands. I see this election, Murph, really as a referendum on the future of our public lands, an issue that really has captured the attention of many Montana voters. In races like this one, there's a real contrast between who will actually protect our special outdoor places versus those who just offer platitudes. Gianforte has an alarming public lands record, and that's exactly what the MCV's Action Fund highlighted here. I run a small business here in Montana. Access to public lands is very important to our business. But Greg Gianforte doesn't care about that. In Washington, he wrote bills to strip protections from nearly 700,000 acres of public lands. Greg Gianforte, he sued the state to take away your rights to access a popular fishing site just because he didn't like seeing regular folks near his giant mansion on the edge of the river. The reason most people live in Montana is because of our access to those special places. If you like the ad and you want to support keeping it on the air, you can make a contribution to our action fund. You can find a link to donate in the show notes. This week, we're proud to support the rollout of MCV-endorsed candidate for Attorney General Rafe Graybill's public lands plan. There are lots of good things in this 10-point plan, but we're particularly excited about the creation of a public access advocate to help landowners navigate the Montana land board process and his commitment to holding the federal government accountable. His walk is already matching his talk as he and Governor Bullock filed a lawsuit against William Perry Penley and the Bureau of Land Management as Penley has lacked the legal authority to direct the Bureau of Land Management without a Senate confirmation as required by the Constitution. And because Penley's conduct as acting director has been harming our state and the people of Montana. You can learn more about race plan and all that we're doing by following our social media platforms all at MT Voters. And please don't forget to join our fight to stop Penley's nomination at stoppenley.org. We also hope you make a donation of $25 or more to get your one-of-a-kind iHeart Public Land sticker to help us post a billboard near Senator Daines' home so he can no longer avoid Montanans and our mission to protect our public lands, our clean water, and our clean air. 
If you're already a dues-paying MCV member at $35 a year, thank you. You'll be receiving your sticker in the mail, but we still humbly are asking for an additional donation so we can continue to hold Senator Danes accountable for his support of William Perry Penley. Next week on MCV Cast, a conversation with Congressman Pat and Senator Carol Williams. We'll also recap the first U.S. Senate debate of the political season between Senator Steve Daines and Governor Steve Bullock. That debate takes place on Saturday, August 8th. We'll close out this week's show by going back to the White House, where President Trump signed the Great American Outdoors Act into law on Tuesday morning. He gave remarks before signing the bill. Reading from a teleprompter, he spoke about public land monuments like Bears Ears in Utah, which his administration drastically shrunk. Then, going off script, he seemed to confuse those public land monuments with controversial Confederate statues that protesters have been tearing down across the country. Then, going back to the script, he had some trouble pronouncing one of America's premier national parks. We want every American child to have access to pristine outdoor spaces. When young Americans experience the breathtaking beauty of the Grand Canyon, when their eyes widen in amazement as Old Faithful bursts into the sky, when they gaze upon Yosemites, Yosemites, towering sequoias, their love of country grows stronger and they know that every American has truly a duty to preserve this wondrous inheritance.